Are you listening to the trees? Are you? When I was a teenager, I was fortunate to live in a small town of Mountain Home in the heart of the Poconos of northeastern Pennsylvania. There was a forested area across the street from our house where I took frequent walks in the woods. I remember one summer when I fancied myself to be like Dickens Sowerby, a character in the novel A Secret Garden, a children's classic that I'm sure some of you have read or heard of. Dickens was a kind, gentle 12-year-old boy who was so tuned into nature that when he stood still, the animals came to him. I had my favorite sitting rock partway up Cresco Heights, and my plan was to take a blanket for cushioning and plant myself there quietly, like Dickon, to be so still the wildlife would accept me as non-threatening as part of the landscape and would move without interruption through the natural rhythms of their day. I wanted to belong there, and I wanted for them to accept me. I wrote in my journal that my rock-sitting experience was not as dramatic as I had hoped. I wasn't Dickon. What I discovered was that the movements and visitations of nature were often quite subtle. The arrival of small creatures like the chipmunks were not surprising, nor was the sighting of birds and maybe a toad or two. And of course, the only creatures that actually came to me were the bugs. <laughs> and I had not worn bug repellent by choice. I did not want to repel. My telltale bug bites were, in fact, my only tangible proof to my brothers and sister that I had followed through with my solitary exercise in communing with nature. So I don't recall how many days I tried this experiment or for how long I sat, but it seemed like a long time. I began to take note of the trees and the underbrush and the sounds and the movements, the creaky rubbing of the trees and the wind and the sounds of the leaves as they stirred, creating in me a deeper sense that a lot more was happening than could be seen by the naked eye. Sometimes I was peaceful in the mystery and beauty of my surroundings, and sometimes I was startled and even a little afraid. I was listening to the forest. Now, when I walk in the woods, as I did just yesterday around Canosa Lake with Hal, I found myself wondering, am I really listening to the forest? Am I really listening to the trees? I see fellow hikers with earbuds lodged in their ears and cables running down to their phones. And whether listening to music or talking on the phone, this is a sure sign that those folks are not listening. 
to the forest. And sometimes I am quick to judge. But I wonder, am I listening or am I just a fair weather friend that comes and visits and then returns home to close the door on nature? Too much of our human history with the forest is about destruction and taking resources from the natural world rather than understanding and seeking a more sustainable way of living with, with nature. Earlier in the service when Megan and I read the prologue to Richard Power's novel, The Overstory, we heard the voices of some trees. A woman sitting at the base of a pine in the western part of the United States hears a chorus of trees saying, your kind never sees us whole. You miss the half of it and more. There's always as much below the ground as above. The tree continues to rain words upon her saying, that's the trouble with people, their root problem. Life runs alongside them, unseen right here, right next, creating the soil, cycling water, trading in nutrients, making weather, building atmosphere, feeding and curing and sheltering more, more kinds of creatures than people know how to count. So life runs alongside us unseen, doesn't it? I don't know about you, but those trees' words ring true to me. In this remarkable novel, one that made me uneasy and restless as I read, the central character is the tree, but we hear many intertwined tales of people who have profound connections to the trees, either in seeking, in seeking to use and abuse or save them particularly the old growth trees of the Pacific Northwest. I had to put the book down many times, but then just as many times I had to pick it up, and ultimately I finished it. I invite you to read this novel, which by the way, you see my little show and tell down here. I brought books. <laughs> the overstory is here, all right. Um, it's remarkable, and I invite you to read this novel as well because I would love to discuss it with you. It's a book I don't really like to process alone. What we encounter in this story are multi-leveled ways that trees exist in our lives, how our stories are shaped by trees through their symbolic meaning, their beauty, and their usefulness as a shade, source of shade, or food, or lumber, or many other things. Yet we as humans have not been able to devise a sustainable plan to keep them rather than to clear and destroy them. The irony, of course, is that I have mentioned at least three print books in this sermon so far, all of which were made from trees. So even as I purport to love trees, I am complicit in their destruction with my love for the printed word. My fascination with nature has not waned over the years, but my life is filled with more busyness that keeps me 
so I say. From that act of listening, I sought as a teenager. One of the things I generally do in the summer is find a book on the natural world, of which there are many, and I read and savor the details for my morning reading along with a good cup of coffee. Several years ago, my book of choice was written by the German author Peter Wallabin, The Hidden Life of Trees, What They Feel, How They Communicate, Discoveries from a Secret World. A forester by training and profession, he describes his transformation from a person who looked at individual trees as part of his job and evaluated them for their worth as lumber. To a person whose deep love for trees helped him become a keen observer of the community of trees, the forest. And so he grew to learn to evaluate the health of the whole forest and how the trees work together in complicated systems above ground and particularly below ground, like the aspens Megan read about in the offertory. What we learn is the book, in this book is the result of recent research from the mid-1990s 90s by um, Suzanne Samard. Not surprisingly, she struggled to get funding and support for her, her hypothesis that the trees cooperated and communicated with each other. But ultimately, she was able to construct experiments that demonstrated how trees share nutrients with each other, even across species, like deciduous to pine. How trees send signals and scents in the case of danger, the threat of insect infestation. And most remarkably, the trees have a symbiotic relationship between the roots and an underground and vast network of fungi. Science is just beginning to understand the role that fungi play in the life of trees and subsequently in our lives. Just imagine for a moment the root systems of the trees, so vast and elaborate, bigger and much larger than we can see above the ground, thriving in a world that resides like a secret below our feet. If as a teacher, I had a, a teenager, I had imagined this part part of the life of the tree, I think I would have wanted to dig into the ground to see the fungus for myself. So now back to the pine tree and the woman sitting beneath, where the pine tree says, every piece of earth needs a new grip to it. A thing can travel everywhere just by holding still. I love that. A thing can travel everywhere just by holding still. Perhaps it is not such folly to personify the trees, to imagine they are talking. After all, 
Our Western tradition of remaining separate and distant from nature has not served us all that well. We do have to use our imaginations. And so I look for various ways to embody the trees and to listen to what they tell me. In the book Earth Path by Starhawk, um, she provides guidance and imagery about the actions of trees that remain anchored and strong during a storm. The trees are far from rigid, but rather flexible. In her training for nonviolent responses to threats and criticisms, she helps participants to imagine themselves as a windbreak of trees in a storm. She says, if we can learn from trees, we can take and transform the energy coming at us. We can do this by staying calm and grounded and centered, by listening rather than responding, by swaying with the wind and letting it blow itself out. When attacked from the wind of a storm, the trees remain able to stay rooted, absorb the energy of the wind, and let it dissipate. It is a wonderful tension between the anchoring and the flexible movement. And I have used this imagery of anchoring more than once when I have been caught in a conflict about which there are no easy answers and I have felt overwhelmed. The trees teach me to stay calm. Another place I go to ponder trees is the campus of North Point Bible College, the former Bradford College campus, very near to my house. Instead of walking in the woods, I'm walking through a small arboretum. There are some incredibly beautiful trees majestic oaks, and what I can only describe as the muscular trunks, almost makes me think of elephants when I look at these trunks, trunks and the massive canopy of the copper beeches, and the ginkgo tree, which is the most ancient tree of them all. Many of these trees near the front of the campus were probably planted soon after Bradford College was founded in 1803 over 200 years ago. To the trees, that time is not so long. They remind us how trees, when left alone, outlive us not just by years, but by centuries. When I stand beneath any of these large trees, I am humbled and awed by the age and the beauty if you drive down South Main Street in Bradford and you're in a hurry and you kind of just look aside and notice a tree, that's not good enough. You need to stop and park and you need to walk over there. You don't really fathom the size and majesty of these trees unless you stand next to their massive trunks. Ask permission of the trees. Sit underneath and listen to what they have to say. So a chorus of living wood sings to the woman sitting at the base of the pine. It says, if your mind were only a slightly greener thing, we'd drown you in meaning. 
the pine she leans against says, listen, there's something you need to hear. In this time of major concern about climate change and our human role in it, we all need to remove our earbuds and shut off the phones and listen more to the natural world. Did you hear the birds this morning? They were happy. We need to all become slightly greener things. I could make a long list of things we could do to become slightly greener, like planting a tree or eating less meat, teaching our children to listen to nature. That's another sermon. But once again, I'm sitting on the rock as a teenager wishing to become a slightly greener thing. I wanted to belong to the woods. I still can. I can allow myself to be drowned in meaning. As the tree says to the woman sitting at the base of the pine, Sun and water are questions endlessly worth answering, and a good answer must be reinvented many times from scratch. A good answer must be reinvented many times from scratch. So I'm going to end with another way to embody the trees, and I'm going to ask to you to participate if you would like. And I want us to think about how we learn from, about praise from the trees. And so very, the very shape of the tree, branches seeking the light to do its primary task of photosynthesis, is a posture of praise. So as you are willing and as far as you want to reach this way, that way, take a moment right now and raise your arms as if they were the tree branches, all right? This very movement is one of opening, of listening, of lifting our spirits, of reaching beyond ourselves to the larger world, to, light, to the light upon which we depend. Now wave and bend those arms if being stirred by the wind, and even if it's a storm and we move further, we stay grounded and we would have a bit of a dance going on in the branches. Anchored by our roots, we can stand firm and move with ease. And now, let the leaves stir and twist your hands back and forth rapidly. And what do we have? The American Sign Language for applause. Let's hear it for the trees. So I leave you this morning with praise and gratitude for the trees because we depend on every tree, not just in our neighborhood, but everywhere on the globe. The trees are the lungs of the world. Let us be grateful for the trees. So be it.